Hello and welcome to this IBR Business Profile, a podcast from the Iowa Business Report. I'm Jeff Stein. For the Business Profile segment in the 28th edition of our program, which aired during the second weekend of July 2020, we introduced you to Christoph Trapp, an Eastern Iowa content marketer known for the Authentic Storytelling Project. In addition to work for clients and companies, his efforts include podcasts and now three books. I spoke with Christoph Trapp via Zoom in late June and asked him to identify what it means to be a content marketer in today's media atmosphere. You know, what's interesting, Jeff, is I grew up in journalism. And uh, back in the day when people would say, hey, how many people read your stuff? First of all, that wasn't even a question. Um, but if they ever asked, you would say 83,000, 100,000, whatever circulation was, right? Uh, and, and what has happened today is we have really a content performance culture. Everything gets measured. Everybody wants to know how many people are listening, how many people are doing something, how many people are doing, uh, you know, are buying from us. So really what, what I focus on is how do we take the marketing through content marketing strategies for the most part and get it to perform. And, you know, one way that I found that you can do that is telling better stories. And, you know, as a journalist, you, you learn how to tell good stories. Uh, you, you learn how to write them in a way that people actually want to read them. I'm not talking about sensationalizing them. I'm talking about how do you put it all together? And today, of course, there's many, many mediums and there, the competition in really any vertical is just crazy. So that's what I focus on. How do you um, optimize your workflow? How do you uh, get the most bang out of your buck with your content and your strategies? With print, we were always able to say, we sell this many copies, and they came up with some schema that said roughly 2.3 people read each issue of the paper, and they could extrapolate and come up with these wild numbers of people who actually held a newspaper. Ratings for radio and television have always been somewhat spurious based on recall. We now have better technology for television where they put the counter on your set box and all of that. But realistically, there's a big difference between having exposure to it and actually consuming it. And that's really what, to a large degree, I think you're talking about here is how can you get your message heard when there's so much competition at every stage, whether it's on a big screen, a small screen, somebody across the room talking, the din is louder than ever, is it not? It is so loud. It's unbelievable. And the competition, I'll give you an example. I mean, we're doing a podcast right here and I love podcasts. I've been podcasting, you know, my own podcast, the business storytelling podcast, about 150 episodes and podcast listening has gone down uh, during COVID. And for me, I'm actually listening more because I got them running all day, almost like I used to have the radio running all day, you know, but it has gone down because a lot of people listen on their commute. Well, there's no commutes currently, or maybe it's picking up again, but there wasn't for three months. So again, if you were counting on your podcast to drive a lot of attention, COVID was probably not the best time to, to do that. Um, so it changes. That's one problem. And then the other thing is there's so much competition um, I think the latest numbers I heard was like 33 touch points uh, to get people to do anything. And of course, some of those touch points are like having the podcast in the background, having the podcast available when you want to listen to it or having the article pop up or having an ad. So they all go together. You know, I, I still remember 
my first digital transformation project with a traditional print media company. And people were always trying to argue, oh, you're against print, you're against whatever. And I'm not against anything, uh, but you have to implement them all together, right? Like when I wrote my books, um, some of them sold much better in print. So guess what? I don't mind print at all for books, right? But, but I also have a Kindle version. You can also listen to it on Alexa. You can also listen to it on Siri. So, so think of it as how do you integrate everything together um, you know, as one plan and, and try to maximize things. We talk a lot about social media and this explosion of different formats. And I have people mm-hmm. say to me, well, if you don't have time to do everything, why don't you just do Twitter for the radio station? Or why don't you just do Facebook? Well, the reality is, The audience might be here, but it also might be there. And if I want to reach the full, quote unquote, social media audience, I have to do everything. And that becomes very difficult to find the time to get a good message out because you're just trying to feed the beast, as they say, every day. Well, but there's techniques now, right, to to make that easier. And and one way that I do it is uh, the cope model, create once, publish everywhere. And what that means, and maybe you saw that, but I did a podcast with Scott Brinker. And I listened to it again. I was like, this was a really good podcast, super interesting, the stuff you talked about. So I took the podcast, I, uh, I blasted it out to all the podcast channels. Now I'm doing an article on the podcast. Then I did social media updates. And this is not even the best example. I did another podcast with Andrea Freyrier and we live streamed it to LinkedIn. So I got the live stream, I got the video, I'll put the video on YouTube. Then I take the audio, I put a podcast up, then I take the, then I listen to it, then I write about it. And then I distribute everything into social. And, you know, does that still take time? Absolutely. But it doesn't take as much time as it used to take, right? I mean, now you just run it through a system. There's a program to extract audio. I mean, I still remember using real software to do that. Now it's like almost autopilot. Um, So there are ways to do that. But you're absolutely correct. Uh, You want to think about where do you have the biggest return? The problem is the return changes. One day it's LinkedIn, one day it's your website, one day it's uh, who knows what, one day it's speaking. If you're speaking, I, I, uh, last year I spoke quite often. This year, surprise, right? Everything is canceled. So, so guess what? That is not a big part of what I currently do at all. So you have to be very nimble and, and move around and try new things. And here's the other thing. We keep talking about media. Earned media still matters too. People still read the newspaper. People still go on TV. As People still watch TV. So when you can get your content on those channels as well, go for it. But it all does come back then. And we could talk for another hour about the (laughs) fact that when you say you're going to podcast something, well, which platform? And then you want to use potentially a vendor that will then spray it over 8, 10, 15 different platforms. And again, the pie gets sliced narrower and narrower, but you're looking at aggregate totals. But, But to your earlier point, I can post something on LinkedIn with a link to an article or a video or audio and one post will generate a lot of traffic a lot of hits i will post something very similar from a content standpoint and it's like crickets it it just depends on when it comes through and how it strikes people and so you can't take just a few episodes or incidents and and make generalizations but it all comes back to content doesn't it from the very beginning of time you have to have something to say and be able to say it well so in your professional experience working with clients where do they get that wrong why do they need someone to come and help tell their story 
the biggest thing is a lot of companies still think about content as truly a marketing function. And, and, it, and it is at the core of it, right? Uh, but Mal Rod actually put this in, in uh, top of my mind. Marketers need to think a little bit more like journalists. What do journalists do? Um, they, here's what they do. They come to work and they say, hey, what's going on today? What should we write about? What's interesting? And they make a decision and they tell that story right now. They don't make a plan for the next six months. They don't come up with some you know, committee meeting they have to go to. They just tell the story, the end. And it's done. And tomorrow we'll do it again. Now, I do admit that that model would drive a lot of marketers crazy had they do, if they had to do that every day. But as Mialta said, Think of it more, not as a campaign, but what are the stories you can tell that really are helpful? And when you do that, you come up with better stories. And marketers, so that's one problem. The other problem is marketers, everything is superlatives, like state of the art, we're the best, uh, industry leading. And it just drives me crazy because you can, not everybody can be industry leading. Not everybody can be the best at everything. Uh, so show me, don't tell me. Right. And that's, I think, where a lot of companies still go wrong. They tell me they're awesome instead of showing me. And the way you show it is, I mean, literally all you have to do, quite honestly, is talk about your expertise. Right. Talk about how you do it. Like, for example, in this interview here, Jeff, I didn't say to you, hey, I am the best forever, blah, blah, blah. I say, here's the model I use. Here's how I think you would do it. And here's how I think it could help. And now people can say, oh, it makes sense. Uh, it's probably easier said than done, right? And then they can think about it. Uh, but you have to tell that story. And I think a lot of companies fall fall flat on their face when they try to do that. Another problem they face is approval hell. Everybody wants to edit it. And some people make changes that make no difference. I actually had one client once. They had one guy edit something. The next person edited it. And then the next person edited back to what it was initially. I'm like, what a waste of time. I mean, you don't, there's no impact on any of this. You just wasted money because, because of what you're doing. So the, the telling better stories and, and really, I think the journalistic instinct, when you see my LinkedIn, I talk about, I'm a journalistic storyteller, the journalistic instinct really can help companies do that well. And especially too, when you're talking about marketing, you're trying to get a message in front of an audience. If you tell the audience about the product, the service, whatever, they then can make the choice conscious choice with all the information about whether to avail themselves of your product or service. You really still are doing journalism, if you're doing it right, you're still doing journalism because you are telling a factual story. Yep. Now, are there ways that you phrase it to perhaps not mention other products that are better than yours? Of course, because you're simply telling a factual story, but you're not including <clears throat> absolutely everything as you might if yep. you were a, a straight business journalist. But yet we've gotten into this idea of being loud and proud and a lot of exclamation points. That is hard to break through because, in essence, what you're suggesting, I'll say, is subtlety. But that can really have much greater impact because it is distinctive these days. Yep. And, and the other thing is uh, the story brand, story guide brand. I've heard about this, but, but, and this is journalists do this too, but a lot of marketers don't, right? Marketers say it's about me. Here's why I'm the best. Here's why I'm great, et cetera, et cetera, or my company. But in this model, what you really want to do is here's the problem we're seeing and here's how it can be fixed. And by the way, we can also help you fix it, Right. And that's very different because it is it is actually a lot easier just to talk about yourself 
authentic to always put yourself in the other shoes, but you have to put the audience first. You have to talk about their problems and you can't just say, uh, you know, we're the only solution to do that. Uh, what's interesting about your other comment about you might not quote everybody. So in my model, which is a little different because I'm not a software company, but when I blog about things, you know, topics, I quote people and I quote competitors and nobody ever complains that they all get quoted, right? Because they all want to be in the article. Sure. But it's interesting because it's like you have a partnership with one and the other one you kind of know, but they have a good quote. So you still use them. So it is It is actually, it is in this case, it's, it's surprisingly close to like business journalism if you think about it. But really it's lead generation, right? It's trying to stay in front of people, trying to share knowledge that uh, ties them to you. Oh, and that's an excellent point because it then also has greater veracity and acceptance by the audience. How savvy is the audience? I was going to say the audience <clears throat> is savvy enough to see through some of these things, especially as they now are using so many of these tools from their home offices and basements and everything else. But how savvy are they actually in terms of using these tools and your clients then getting a message to them? Well, like anything in life, there's no black or white answer, quite sure. frankly. You know, there's some people who are very savvy and and they, if they're superlatives, they'll go, yeah, whatever, you're not the state of the, 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 the industry leader or whatever it might be. Um, and then others, if you hit them at the right time, especially I just talked about this on, on the show, actually, on fear-based marketing, which I think is terrible when you overdo it. Doesn't mean you should never talk about something that is a problem, right? You should, but if it's true fear-based marketing, it's not sustainable in my opinion, but that can work when you hit people in the right moment. But again, will they come back? Will they have a good experience, right? I mean, at some point you'll run out of people if nobody ever returns and comes back as a customer. So at some point, I think people figure it out. I would recommend that people are authentic with their marketing, with their stories and try to be real, you know, and not just try to push you to do something you don't want to do. That doesn't mean you shouldn't generate demand. You should, but there is a fine line between being helpful and being like just pushing you into it. You know, you've mentioned during our conversation, podcasts and books, how can people sample some of your work on this topic of the craft that you practice? Yeah, you can always check out my blog, AuthenticStorytelling.net. Uh, if you search for Christoph Trap, that all shows up. Uh, I got three books on Amazon. Uh, one just came out uh, on the content performance culture in January, uh, so you can check that out there. And of course, uh, Twitter is always a great place to connect C Trap and LinkedIn. You know, wherever you are, you can probably find me there. Christoph Trap. More about his work as a content marketer online at AuthenticStorytelling.net. That's where you can sign up to join the nearly 73,000 people who receive his blog entries via email. Based in eastern Iowa, he is the author of three books, including Content Performance Culture, released earlier this year. You can follow him on Twitter at C-Trap. That's C-T-R-A-P-P-E. The Iowa Association of Business and Industry is a supporter of the Iowa Business Report, radio program, and podcast. The Iowa Business Report airs weekly on dozens of radio stations across the state of Iowa, with the podcast posted right here every week, along with additional IBR extras. I'm Jeff Stein for the Iowa Business Report.